0: The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapepe on SAFM. 71 years was the last time the United Kingdom had a coronation ceremony. Then it was for a young Elizabeth following the death of her father who only assumed kingship following the abdication of his older brother. Now, Charles, the eldest son of Elizabeth, one of four, is going on the route many before him have taken, one rooted in pride history, depending on where you are, certainly for the United Kingdom. And if you are an African like me, a South African, who's been open, close quote, a subject of British colonial rule, certainly through my forefathers, then the conversation becomes a lot more nuanced, if not painful, and altogether an opportunity for us to revisit what for too long has been a suppressed conversation. We have, thankfully, a fellow South African who has done tremendously well in his career, Professor Saul Dubow, Smuts Professor of Commonwealth History at Cambridge University on the line. Now, he was born in South Africa, educated at UCT, before apparently, anyway, he found greener pastures. Are there really that green, Saul? Good evening. Thanks for joining us, man. Seems like we have a challenge. Nonetheless, let me just open this conversation because I would imagine the the, the the points that we ought to cover here would be sufficiently engaging for you at home in South Africa. First of all, do you have an opinion on the coronation happening this weekend on Saturday the 6th? If so, what is that opinion? Please share it with us. What do you make of the coronation ceremony that Charles will be undertaking? How do you feel as a South African? How did you feel when Elizabeth last year passed away? How do you feel about... Our colonial history, how do you feel about our relationship with the UK and whether or not there has been sufficient accounting or atoning for essentially the war crimes that colonialism were. Forget the fact that the narratives don't suggest that and the history books do not suggest that. Colonialism is nothing more than a crime against humanity It's the equivalent of what many would suggest is Russia or Ukraine today, possibly even worse, because at least in that regard, there is no usurpation of a government, whereas in the colonial context, it was by blood or by might, the total decimation of a people and their culture, and which is more the inculcation of a foreign one by force and by blood. And that's the question essentially we're engaging this evening. So where do you as a South African sit in the context of this conversation? For now, we are joined by a South African, I take pleasure in repeating, Mr. Professor, I beg your pardon, Professor Saul DeBose, Smuts Professor of Commonwealth History from Cambridge University, but he's first and foremost one of our own, born in South Africa, Cape Town specifically, and attended UCT even, as late as that. So Saul certainly does understand the features of what South Africa is all about, given his many research areas of interest and topics and publications and now where he's at so he's as good a person to have this conversation in this hashtag international affairs segment on SAFM. Saul good evening thank you so much for joining us. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well thank you. Let's talk about this weekend generally the sentiment the mood in the United Kingdom.
1: Well, um, it depends, you know, I think Britain is uh, quite a divided country. If you uh, go back just a decade to uh, 2012 with the London Olympics, um, and you look at us now, it's a very, very different society. It's very divided. Brexit, of course, is both a symptom of that and a cause of that. And um, Queen Elizabeth died and uh, recently, and there was a huge outpouring
0: Yeah, there certainly would have been a huge outpouring. The question outpouring of what? Outpouring of love, outpouring of tears, hatred, revision of history. It's a pity that we're not quite able to get the connection through as we typically would. Yeah. Um sorry there's all. we did lost you we did lose you, I beg your big pardon, but at the point at which we did, you were talking about yeah. the huge outpouring. Huge outpouring of
2: Well, a huge
1: outpouring of emotion. And I think generally, um, because of her dignity and the amount of time that she spent on the throne and so forth, um, whatever you feel about whether you're a Republican or a monarchist, uh, whatever your feelings about colonialism, she, um, there was a tremendous amount of respect for the Queen. Um, Prince Charles has to prove himself as king. And as I was saying, um, he's coming to the throne in a much more divided uh, and angry society. So I think the mood is is, is, is likely different. Uh, there are many people of course who are going to want to be part of street parties and uh, watch everything staying, and there are a minority.
0: Yeah, we seem to be having Uh, challenges with you there, Saul, because whilst I can hear you for the most part, but you're just breaking at critical intervals where I'm not quite able then to make connections and perhaps have follow-up conversations. But I have heard you talk about the fact that Charles is going to be taking over at a time where Britain is more divided, certainly certainly more now than it would have been in the reign of his mother. He doesn't seem to certainly, for sure, be as popular as his mother, and he probably wouldn't be, given the fact that she would have been a monarch for more than many people's lifespans at that stage certainly whereas charles certainly still has to prove himself and it doesn't help that perhaps it's still within fresh memory of his relationship with diana how it broke down and how the fact that diana passed away in 97 how many britons felt about that and how he and his response to that or lack of and certainly that of his mother and father Mm. would have caused great hurt in britain in 97. Oh, goodness. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I propose we take a break. After the break, we let, let, let's go to voice notes. Please drop us voice notes, 0614-104-107. I think you've heard enough of the conversation to at least lend your opinion to this to enrich the conversation and especially because I am struggling to connect through to the United Kingdom to Saul Dubois, South African, but now based at Cambridge University as the Smuts Professor of Commonwealth History. And we will talk about that Smuts Professor because that sounds like Jan Smuts, who did go to the United Kingdom, of course, and is in fact very much a respected politician in the United Kingdom. So there's plenty to talk about Commonwealth history, South Africa in the Commonwealth, and what this should mean going forward. Generally, Anything to do with the coronation this weekend, our relationship with Britain and its colonial history with ourselves and the Commonwealth at large. Your calls, comments are most welcome. Please, if you want to call 086-000-2032, I repeat, 086-000-2032. And the voice notes, you can drop us a voice note on 614 0614- 104 107. After the break, I would love to hear your contributions. Maybe whilst we are struggling to get through to Seoul, we can engage as the South African listenership on still a very important matter, however you might feel about it. SMS SAFM now on four one three nine one. The viewpoint weekdays eight to ten p.m. on SAFM. Songezomabe on, on SAFM. Yeah, we are back. This is Songa Zomabek live here on SAFM. We are talking the royal coronation happening this weekend. We are talking about the Commonwealth and the political history of how we even get to the Commonwealth and South Africa's position in relation to all of this. Specifically, I would imagine the continuing decline in relations with the United Kingdom, although it was quite a, certainly in diplomatic and political terms, a very kind gesture, the invitation of President Cyril Ramaphosa last year by Charles, who would be his first official head of state to visit him as uh, the monarch. So would that have been perhaps a signal that this is a last throw of the dice to make sure that South Africa, certainly from a global standing perspective, and with the open, close quote, the powers of the West, that there is still something that South Africa can offer. These are the conversations I'm hoping we can unearth in the 18 or so minutes that remain. I'm hoping that Saul is on the line. Can I get a thumbs up or down yeah. from a production team? So, so, OK, you are there. Let's talk about, I mean, I think I'm just going to move on from whatever point you were addressing, because only in the interest of time we need to do so. As a South African who is now living there, South Africa has a very special and unique relationship with the United Kingdom. First of all, it starts off in the colonial conquest of the 19th century and possibly even before. My history might not be as great as yours. But perhaps give us a perspective of where these relations start from to what then happens in the Union of South Africa in 1910 and the significance of smuts losing those elections in 1948
1: to df malan right so there are three things that one might uh, talk about the first is if you look at the coronation itself uh, the scepter both the crowns are adorned with cullinan diamonds those are it comes from the diamond which was picked up in 1905 east of pretoria and presented to the British crown in uh, 1907 and then in 1910. And one has to ask oneself why did the Transvaal government and then the Union government give those diamonds, which are called the Star of Africa. And that has to do with the Boer war, the South African war, the attempt to rebuild relations uh, with the British monarch, uh, the era of forgiveness and conciliation, And uh, that raises really important questions because South Africa was not a South Africa until 1910. So at that episode, we have a making of a new uh, independent, post-colonial, but also racially supremacist South Africa. And that is directly reflected in those diamonds in the throne. The second, I would say, is Jan Statz himself, who in 1917 uh, is part of the Imperial War Cabinet, uh, he fights, of course, leads the, the fight with Louis Botha in the First World War uh, on behalf of the Allies. And in 1917, he comes to London, and he gives a very major address. And it's really his design of the new Commonwealth. He speaks of the Commonwealth not as the British Empire, not as the British Commonwealth, but as a Commonwealth of freely associated independent states. So that's the second South African connection. And then, of course, um, Queen Elizabeth, princess as she was, uh, comes to uh, Cape Town in 1947. She's again invited by Jan Smuts just after the war. And it's in Cape Town that she dedicates her life to service for the Commonwealth. Uh, One might also mention Mandela, of course, who formed uh, quite a close personal relationship Mm. with the Queen, and uh, which heralded South Africa's re-entry to the Commonwealth. Remember, South Africa left the Commonwealth in 1961 under enormous pressure because of apartheid. So maybe those are four moments in which South Africa's relationship with the Commonwealth and through that to the Crown are strongly illustrated.
0: Why would you not reference to the wars of dispossession upon their landing, certainly in what is now South Africa's territorial waters in, in the Cape province at the time? Why, why is that not
1: significant in Correct. In, uh, why, why is that not a significant? In 1806, well, of course, it was done uh, with the British state, and uh, South Africa became, or it wasn't South Africa, but the Cape and Natal uh, became subject to British rule, and uh, an entire century was taken up with wars of dispossession and with interior struggles, the Boer republics, um, to the, the Anglo Zulu War, 1879, and of course the wars against uh, the Transvaal, 1881, and the Great South African Wars, 1899 to 1902. So there is a long history of conflict between South Africa and Britain, but at the same time, there's also very deep traditions of coexistence and of uh, mutual support and the question is whose interests were served by those
0: relations It it would clearly still be fair if not frankly correct to say the beneficiaries of the colonial project front and center squarely so britain it was a conquest it was annihilation of a people and their respective cultures and with that they have taken and held hostage even to this day much of her artifacts you refer to the cullinan there are many things Mm. the colonial project robbed if you like the african states in this context and other nations of the world through this colonial project and the vestiges of that colonial project that imperial project exist to this day if one looks at the structure of society at a social level, at an economic level, even at a political level. How we engage our formal business as a country is modeled on the Westminster system. That's just looking at how, for instance, the legislative system works. The judiciary as well. In South Africa, strong legacy where many of the cases were R versus so-and-so. R meaning Rex, that's the king, until yeah. this, and, until literally the late 50s, early 60s even The question really is, has enough been done to address that past? Together with all these things that you say tie us, have we as a society in South Africa recovered in part those losses? Of course, it could never be in whole. And to the extent that we have not, where lies the opportunity to recover and, and to lobby through CHOGOM, the Commonwealth Heads of Government, for instance, for more accountability on the state of Britain for the war crimes that they occasioned in the name of the imperial project called colonialism? Well,
1: you know, I am a South African born and identify as South African, but it's not for me to tell South Africans uh, what to say or what to demand. But going back to the coronation, what I would say is that the big, uh, challenge that Charles has. He has several challenges. The one, of course, is to be able to uh, acquire the kind of legitimacy that his mother had. The second is that much more so than was the case under Queen Elizabeth, Charles faces enormous pressures from the Commonwealth itself. Um, the, the Queen, for example, you will remember, was uh, uh, opposed Mrs. Thatcher on sanctions and gained quite a lot of kudos uh, in the anti-apartheid movement in the mid-1980s for doing so. But since then, uh, the position of the monarch is is, is much more difficult. If we look at um, places like Jamaica, Barbados, the Caribbean, the awareness of Black Lives Matter and of slavery, um, there are countries in the Caribbean which are wanting to become republics. Uh, Australia, hope, for a long period of time, is also talking about uh, becoming a republic. And of course, Australia suffered its own genocide. So South Africa is not the only uh, claimant to um, if reparations and certainly to a rethinking of the imperial relationship in quite fundamental ways. Um, and it's part of that challenge that Charles and uh, and the monarch has to, has to face.
0: Let's take a couple of calls as we engage Professor Saul DeBose, Smuts, Professor of Commonwealth History at Cambridge University, a South African born and bred at heart, who suggests that he is not quite fully in a position to speak for South Africans, although his opinion as a South African would certainly matter, as does yours at home. So let's go to Jude from Cape Town, our first caller on the segment. Jude, good evening. Thank you for calling. Your thoughts, please.
2: Oh, well, hi. Is that me?
0: Yes, indeed. Hi, Jude.
2: Um, okay, what I want to know is why did the ANC put us back into the Commonwealth we weren't in before? And um secondly, um our president went to visit Charles recently mm. and I've I've got a feeling that we're going to be an experiment for the great reset. So we need to get out of the Commonwealth. Plus, um, you know, England sold us down the river. Well, the whole of Zimbabwe down the river. My father actually wrote to Soroy Malenski and called him to um, declare UDI, and he said they weren't yet ready. He left the file when he died, so I found this out afterwards. I never knew before, and um, and then Ian um, you know, Smith declared UDI. What I want to know is when we went into the federation with Malawi and um, Zambia, and there was Rhodesia, and you know now what they called it's Well, um, they promised white rule to, um, to Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, and they went back on that. England went back on that. So England has made Rhodesia what it is today, which is a basket case. And I've got a feeling that they're now heading for South Africa. We do not need this great reset. We do not need our premiers to spend hours and hours with Charles and try and bring slavery to all the people in South Africa. We do know what's going on. And all I can say is I'll watch the coronation, but I'm not happy. Charles thinks he's the Antichrist. I somebody handed me a paper with a 666. He isn't the Antichrist, but he thinks he is. That's how evil he is. And my last point is give us back our down.
0: Yeah, well, Jude is certainly not mincing her words in relation to how she feels the colonial project, both then... And now, as a neo colonial project seems to be unfolding, the emotion certainly carries in her voice. Let's go to Mbange Nibegeli. Good evening, sir.
1: Good evening,
0: I'm well. Go for it, please, Big. Great, great,
1: man. You know, uh, uh, in South Africa, there is nothing actually that we can attach as a significant point to the coronation of the, of the King of England. And I was uh, very disappointed when he said uh, started comparing actually the uh, situation with the colonization of, of South Africa by by
0: England. sorry, Beggy, do you want to restart again your contribution, please? Because there was a time where we lost you. I do understand you're experiencing load shedding, so the yeah, network signals. I am. I am
1: doing
0: load Start again, please. I'm saying.
1: I was a bit disappointed when you alluded to the Russia-Ukraine situation in a way comparing it with the colonization of South Africa by England. Because England did worse to South Africa, then what is happening in the Russia-Ukraine situation?
0: No, I, I, I think you... Did not hear what I said. Yes, I did mention Russia and Ukraine. What I said was, if Russia in Ukraine is going to attract the kind of rhetoric that it is, in other words, it's being called a crime against humanity for which the president of Russia has now courted himself an arrest warrant by the ICC, how much more then, if you will, the British colonial project where there, there was a targeted intention to decimate a people, their culture, their language, and to take from those people, not only their people by force through slavery, which happened, but also their diamonds, as Jude makes reference to. So essentially what I was saying there is that is how deep, orchestrated, vile, and violent the colonial project was using today's context to draw not so much comparisons but to accentuate the colonial project that's where i was coming from when i said what i said i'll take one voice note with the hope that we can get some response from Saul as well we are running out of time thank you for the show on the queen i don't think the queen played a good part when spe- especially when it comes to the commonwealth history let's just remember what happened across the limpopo mugabe's regime rene genocide against the Ndebele's to pacify Zap, which was commonly perceived as a very supported party and the Queen knighted Mugabe after that instead of blaming him. What do you make of these contributions they saw from our listeners?
1: Well, I mean, I can hear there's a lot of anger and I understand that and I think that uh, The British state, and of course the British state is not quite the same as the monarch, has a lot to answer for. But I think that the story of British involvement in South Africa over one or two centuries is a complicated one. And one shouldn't, uh, earlier one of your uh, speakers spoke about the ANC, and I think one should uh, remember that many of the founders of the ANC, one thinks of someone like Sol Plyke, um, looked to the British monarch as uh, not just respectfully but as an agent of protection uh, as white South Africa post-union was imposing segregation. Uh, Plyke and the ANC came to Britain to plead the rights of uh, black South Africans who were losing the franchise land and so forth in 1914 and 1919 and they were not, uh, not well-received because the British state at the time felt that its major contribution had been to help uh, or to assist or to be complicit in the creation of the Union of South Africa. And after that period, the ANC decided that uh, the the, the position of asking nicely, as it were, uh, was no longer an option. But I think it's also true to say that uh, South Africa was uh, removed, expelled under pressure in 1961 for Wood Left because of uh, pressure in the Commonwealth, uh, anti-apartheid pressure. And somebody else asked why South Africa had gone back in. And I think South Africa went back in uh, because it was part of a re-entry into the world community um, including the United Nations, but of course it was still there, um, and part of a great moment of optimism in the late 1990s, which had everything to do with the dawn of a new democracy and the personal magnetism and charisma of uh, Madiba, who had a very close relationship with the Queen. So uh, I think the story is quite complicated in that respect. Mm. And there's always been, as far as South Africans are concerned, a distinction between the imperial state, the army, and uh, the monarchy. And uh, I think that what the monarchy has always tried to do is to remain somewhat above the frame. Uh, but as you've said, the monarch has also benefited directly. The and Diamonds are uh, a very good illustration of that, of this colonial relationship. And so we're talking about a complicated relationship it's not a simple relationship. Um, the wars of dispossession, um, the, uh, the wars against uh, Zulu and Tulsa and so forth, these are very real. But at the same time, we have to ask questions as to why Britain and South Africa have maintained these close relationships. And it's not simply relationships of exploitation and investment and extraction. It's also been relations of affinity. And relations of, um, of of mutual respect, and I'm not sure how these things are going to go. But mm. listening to uh, your speakers and contributors tonight, I'm I i, I did I'm not surprised that there's anger, but I'm a little surprised by the depth of the anger.
0: Well, on another day, perhaps we might have to go to the depth of that anger, and perhaps if we don't have the kind of connection, challenges which I'm so sorry that we have experienced between ourselves this evening. We certainly can go further in this conversation. But certainly we have lifted the lid on things and it certainly does call for a retake on this conversation. Once we have perhaps even the retrospective engagement on the colonial I mean on the coronation this weekend, perhaps we might be in a better position to f- have a, a second take at that. And, and and ready to go to the depth of that anger, which certainly is not unfounded. But let's call it quits for now, man, and thank you for your time this all.